This is John DeVito with the John DeVito podcast, doing a little surprise podcast this afternoon. I wasn't planning on getting on again, but uh, I was just thinking about, you know, the world we're living in right now, thinking about, you know, how we're all kind of trapped inside with this pandemic. And I was thinking about, you know, what, what I would change maybe about my life. You know, are there, any, are there any things that would change about yourself? Are there any things you would change maybe about the world we live in? So, you know, I'd like to hear from some of the people out there, you know, that may be listening to me and maybe join this podcast. You know, what would you do to change? So we'll get into that in a few minutes. I'm just going to chat a little bit, waiting for people to join the show. And, uh, you know, it's it's a really very interesting topic. I think one of the things we've had plenty of time to do recently is to think about, um, you know, what we can do in our lives, maybe to live a little bit differently. What can we do in our lives to maybe be better people? Hey, Joel, welcome to the show. So I'm having a little surprise show today. I figured I would just maybe get on for about an hour and chat a little bit. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, if you had the opportunity, Joel, to change something about your life, what would it be? Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're happy with your life. You know, maybe you haven't made any decisions that you regret, but I guess if, you know, if there was something about your life that you wanted to change, what would it be? If there was something in the world that you could change, you know, what would it be? I know that, you know, people a lot of times will say things like world peace, you know, that's something that, um, you know, people dream about and would really hope that we could get to at some point as a society but you know world peace is tough because you you have people living in this world with a lot of different um ideas on how life should be you know there's religion there is you know poverty in some countries other countries are wealthy so when you think about one i guess bit of change it's hard to come up with world peace because people fight for different reasons People fight over different religious beliefs. People fight because some countries maybe don't have as much money as other countries. And welcome Zohan to the show. Um, I'd love to hear from everybody here. You know, I've been kind of doing a few different shows. We had my wife on earlier today talking about the COVID virus. But today I wanted to do kind of a different type of show where we talked a little bit about what would you do to change if you could, you know? What would you change in the world? What would you change... I guess, in your own life, if you could. And I see that Joel said, I will be a water that refreshes their hearts. Boy, that's nice. I like that. So you would be a water that refreshes the hearts of people in the world. You know, and perfect timing that you're kind of in here early on the show today because, you know, I publish these afterwards so people will hear this. And you're someone that's studying theology. You know, I would like to know what your belief is, you know, in the world. You're a theological student. Um... You know, what, what do you feel happens, I guess, after you pass? I mean, is there a heaven? You know, is there a hell? Where do people go after they die? Do you believe in reincarnation? You know, I'd be very interested in knowing what your feelings were on all of that. So if you don't mind inputting some of that into the box down below, I'd love to hear from you and find out. For me, you know, I guess there are lots of things I would change if I could in the world. You know, for, for me, I look at the world and it makes me, I guess, kind of sad that we are not together as one group of people in this world. 
you know, I think that if we all could be as one in this planet and there weren't issues with, you know, poverty, there weren't issues with racism, there weren't issues with people fighting and killing over different religions, you know, I think we would live in a better world if we could do that. And I, and I guess in a way that's world peace and maybe it's naive for me to even bring that up because, you know, <laughs> world peace is tough. There's, there's always been war. There have always been things like that. And, you know, I'm not a, not a bleeding heart guy, but, you know, I guess if I could change anything in the world, it would be to have maybe everyone pull together and be one together, you know, as opposed to having such a divided world where we're always fighting and people aren't getting along and, you know, people from the U.S. aren't supposed to like people from North Korea and people from North Korea, you know, aren't supposed to like people from the U.K. and whatever else, you know, and it's just a shame to me that we have that. But I guess in my own private life, um, you know, right now I'm pretty happy. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, Joel. I'm 52 years old. You know, I'm married to a wife that uh, I'm happy with. Um, I have four kids and I'm very happy being a father. And, uh, you know, my kids are fantastic. You've gotten to hear them all, you know, on the, on the show here. And I would say all in all, I'm happy. But I guess if I could go back in my own life and maybe do something a little bit differently, you know, I always loved baseball. That was a sport that I played and I was good at it. You know, I ended up getting angry at my father at one point because he pushed me very hard in baseball and it got to be something where I didn't really enjoy, you know, playing the game anymore. So I ended up uh, switching and um, becoming, you know, a football player in college. So, you know, for me, I, I think if I had to go back in my personal life and make a change, that would probably be my change. I would go back and maybe focus on baseball, pass on football, and see if maybe I had a chance to maybe play in the major leagues. That was always kind of a dream of mine. So anyway, I see I've got a couple of comments. So I'm going to look at those before I talk a little bit further. So Joel, uh, actually, I will not be able to change the world, but I will try to be someone who motivates someone to walk in a beautiful perspective. You know, I like that. That's nice. So I guess, you know, if, if you were talking to me and you were looking to motivate me to walk in a more beautiful perspective, or if there's somebody else out here listening right now that maybe needs that motivation or needs something to help them maybe get out of a rut, to you know get out of a funk in their life where you know maybe they've lost a job or their their relationship hasn't worked out or they're getting divorced or you know whatever it may be, you know certain things of life or maybe they've lost faith in a higher power what would you say to those people to help motivate them i'd be curious to know that and i see a roast master glenn i like that name i feel that's a political issue nothing unties a nation like a general hate or fear for someone else amen and oh my god i completely agree with that and i, th I think that's if you think about it that political issue i mean that is why we have racism in this country and in this world I mean, people are afraid of what they don't know. You know, you you see it um, over and over again where, you know, if a, if a white person is afraid of someone of color, you know, they don't know them, they're fearful of them. And because of that, they act out in fear. 
same thing politically or with other countries you know the united states maybe you know we we question <clears throat> the motives of some of our friends in the middle east but really when it all comes down to it i mean every country has extremists including the united states and you know if you make a general blanketing comment about any group of people or race of people then you're right it's political and we're acting out of fear and that fear basically is causing us to hate and it, it's it's unfortunate so that, that was a great comment glenn i really like that and you're right on the mark with that yeah you know, i couldn't really uh i guess put that into words as well as i would have liked to have but really that that is right on the mark where fear i think is the main problem where if we're afraid of something we don't know about then we are going to have problems in our life and problems in our society and problems in our world so that's a great a great response i really like that so let's see joel made a comment and if anybody else is here please comment you know i'm just kind of having like a general show of you know if you could change one thing in your life you know we've all got free time to think right now so i guess if you could change one thing in your life what would it be and if you could change maybe one thing in the world what would it be and it can be anything you know i mean a cleaner planet um less war you know whatever whatever you think's important so feel free to throw something out there so let's see uh, roastmaster glenn it's legal hate propaganda if one of us makes that statement it's hate speech but if the president doesn't it's simply leading a nation yeah you know i will admit that i have been a trump supporter and you know trump has done a lot of negative things and you know i don't think he's responsible for separating this country the country has been broken for quite a while and when i say broken i mean not broken in all ways i mean the us i'm very happy to live here it's a wonderful country i think all in all this country does a lot of things right i mean like any country though we make mistakes and we could do things better but trump has been divisive but i think the divisiveness i mean as, as far back as i can think i mean again at my age the divisiveness in my memory goes back as far as bill clinton when we tried to impeach him for the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal and then moving forward you know once that happened the democrats were doing anything they could to discredit George Bush and that traveled right on through Barack Obama where i think that there was racism racism included there where people simply did not like him because he was black and then with Donald Trump same thing i mean he's come here and he's been you know he's done some things well but he's been a very divisive person and literally since the day he's been elected you know um ever since the day he's been elected the democrats have been out to get him and he's been defiant and he's said very hurtful things i remember the time where he mocked the reporter who had special needs and you know that kind of hit me a little below the belt because my son Matt uh, has special needs he has autism and that that bothered me to see that i mean no doubt about it so yeah it is it's legal hate propaganda if one of us makes that statement it's hate speech but if a president doesn't it's simply leading a nation you're true it's true so you know for me i mean there i guess there are a lot of things i would change in the world if i could um right now <laughs> i know i would certainly change the fact that we're all kind of trapped indoors and we're involved in this pandemic and people are dying and you know it it, it would be nice to be able to go back and i guess get into wuhan china and prevent maybe these biotech companies that were near the wet market from producing and accidentally i imagine releasing the uh, coronavirus into you know the uh into the world like we know right now but you know i mean i, I think that 
one of the good things about this free time is I saw someone post on Facebook. They were saying that this is really the perfect time to, I guess, evaluate your life. You know, are you are you happy with your job? Are you happy in your relationship? You know, and again, if that relationship is worth saving, do you know, are you willing to do the work to make it better? Or are you just going to sit by passively and let things remain the way they've been without doing anything to make a positive, significant difference in that relationship? So, I mean, I think, you know, every day, if you want to change yourself, you need to wake up in the morning and have a positive attitude. And I try to do that, you know, every day. I mean, I'm not certainly not always successful. I mean, it's hard to, I think, sometimes to wake up and be positive every day. But I do think you have to start. You know, if you're unhappy with your life or unhappy with the world, you can't change everything on your own. But what you can do is change maybe the way you live your life, change your perspective on the world. I'm one that believes that you definitely have to be optimistic, not pessimistic. So I think that um, you really need to wake up every day with a positive attitude and look to be the type of person that you would like everybody in the world to be and maybe treat other people with that same respect. So I see that Roastmaster Glenn mentioned uh, he did that before he was president. He hasn't changed. Trump is a bombastic prick and he isn't going to change now. You're right. I mean, I can't argue with that. You know, um, I, you know, in the, in the U.S. and I see Snow Pro, I see your comment. I'm going to get to that in a second. But, you know, as I mentioned, I voted for Trump. Um, I voted both ways over the course of my voting career. I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I think that was the first guy I voted for, if I remember correctly. Um, I voted for Bush. I voted for Bush twice. I voted for McCain once. I voted for Obama once. And then I did vote for Trump just primarily because I did not like Hillary Clinton at all. She was someone that I just could not stand. So, hey, Sly Dog, welcome. So, but again, here, even, even in this next election, you know, I don't love Joe Biden. Hey, Sly Dog. Hey, we're just kind of talking about change. You know, if you could change something in your life, change something in the world, you know, change a bad decision you've made that affected your life. Just kind of wondering, you know, if you have anything like that. And I'd love to hear in the message, you know, kind of what you're thinking. You know, I've talked about in my life, um, I would probably, you know, I was a good athlete when I was young and I ended up playing football in college on a full scholarship. But I think if I had enough guts I would go back and my better sport was baseball, but I had a disagreement with my father and I quit. I think I'd go back and probably focus on a baseball career to see if maybe I could make it, you know, further than I did with football. And in the world, I think I would probably change. You know, I'd like to see us have more unity throughout the world. And, you know, Roastmaster Glenn made a good point where in the US right now, we've got Donald Trump and he's not really unifying anybody. And, uh, you know, he's, he's he, like he said, he's bombastic and he makes a lot of uh, irrational comments. But I think the problems in this country, I mean, I think I think we've had a political civil war going on for maybe 30 years, if not longer. I mean, that's as far back as I remember. But OK, Snow Pro's comment. I want to get back to that. He said, quarantine the high risk people and let the people who want to go to work get back to work and get this economy back to booming. You know what? That is a really good comment. And I'd like to hear other people's opinions on that because I kind of feel the same way. Like right now, I'm really frustrated being home. I work for a very small company and the president thankfully is still paying me. And again, but we're, we're so small, I don't know how long he can do that because literally 
my company has no business coming in right now. So, you know, I'm thankful that he's doing the right thing and trying to pay us, but we sell products to schools. And I've seen now that Vermont and New Hampshire have closed their schools for the remainder of the year. I'm not sure if Massachusetts is going to do that, but I cover all six states in New England and then New York as well. And you're right. I mean, I think that it would be nice if we had the ability to, I guess, allow the people that could get back to life in work, get the economy moving, hopefully avoid a great recession and maybe circumvent some of the issues that come along with that. Because it does seem like there are a lot of people who are low risk. I mean, again, the elderly population is the majority of the people that are high risk. People with um, pre-existing health conditions obviously are an issue. But I agree. I mean, you know, if you think about the big picture, and Tara, I see you, you just checked in. Welcome. Hopefully you're hanging out. But um, yeah, for me, you know, if we go into a recession or depression, how long are we going to be in that recession or depression? And if you think about it, how many people are going to lose their jobs? How many people are not going to be able to afford to feed their families and buy clothes for their children and educate their children? I mean, there's going to be another long kind of, you know, <laughs> effect, a butterfly effect that's going to happen because of the economy going downhill. Now, I don't know if you can equate that to the number of people that are going to die from the coronavirus, but a lot of people are going to suffer due to having this economy that's shut down and people not having jobs. So I'm with you, my friend. I would very much like to get back to work. I would like to have my company kind of open back up and the market that we're in open back up. So for the people that are here, I've got four people online. I'd love to hear from all of you. Oh, please, topic, go off topic if you like. You know I love to do that. I just wanted to get on and try to do something a little bit different today and speak about something. But um, if you're here, you know, let us know what you'd like to change maybe about yourself have you been introspective during this coronavirus uh, quarantine? Is there something about the world you'd like to change? You know, are you happy with your life? That's cool too, you know? Let's see, um, I see Roastmaster Glenn mentioned completely off topic. We got quite the giggle out of your reply in comments. <laughs> nice, good, good, good. Glad to hear that. Uh, Snow Pro, I would like to go back and not meet my soon-to-be ex-wife. Oh man, you know? Oh, so you're going through a divorce. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I haven't been through a divorce, but believe me, I've been with my wife for 19 years. We've been married for 19 years and we've been together now for 22 years. And believe me, believe me, we have our days. We have our fights. We have our days. We go through periods where we're not getting along and it's not easy. And, you know, I grew up in a house and I haven't talked about this yet, but I probably will. And maybe I'll hint a little bit about it now but you know I grew up in a home where my parents should have been divorced and you know I grew up in a very very difficult home and I've made peace with my father you know my mother has passed away 12 years ago and uh, you know believe me I know what it's like I've seen what a what a bad marriage is like and it's not to say that yours is like that I'm just saying you know, I feel badly that you're, you're getting divorced and I'm sorry that that happened to you and hopefully you can find a way to remain strong and maybe, you know, in a period of time, you'll be able to look forward and hopefully realize that maybe this was the best thing to happen and maybe you'll meet the right person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've never been through a divorce, but I know people that have been through it. And, uh, you know, I'm really sorry that that's happening. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, and I, how do you even predict that? I mean, you meet somebody, 
you're in love with them and then it turns into a toxic relationship i mean i've been you know i, I didn't get married till i was 33 years old so i you know i had girlfriends before i got married to my wife and i had one of those relationships that was very toxic and when you get out of a relationship like that i mean not only do you feel bad about the person that you know you were in the relationship with but I mean, I can't speak for you, but I know when I get out of that relationship, I felt bad about myself. I felt like, you know, I couldn't be maybe in a healthy relationship. I felt like that, you know, I was destined to have <laughs> failures, I guess, in relationships throughout my life. And I think sometimes it's about finding the right person where the two of you just fit together well. <coughs> Excuse me. It might be a situation where, you know, maybe, oh, she was physically abusive and now you're in therapy. Man, see. I didn't want to get on that road with you because I didn't know what your relationship was like. So I didn't, you know, want to say anything and have you think I was going down that road. But I know what that's like. I, I've never been in a physically abusive relationship myself, but uh, I grew up in a house that was like that. So I grew up where, and I'm not going to give too too much information now. I'm probably going to have a show and talk about it at some point and just kind of exercise some of my demons. But I had a father that was pretty abusive and a mother that took a lot over the years. And my father was, um, you know, sometimes physically abusive, but very, very, very emotionally abusive to my mother, to myself, to my sister. And, um, you know, it went on for a long time. It went on for a very long time. And I think, yeah, you said it can ruin you. It can ruin you. Um, I had a very, very difficult time, I think, figuring out what a healthy relationship should look like. And not to say even at my age now, I have it all figured out. I mean, I have days where, you know, the ghosts of your past kind of come back to haunt you a little bit. But, you know, I did get some therapy when I was younger. I think that that did help to a point. But I think also just just trying to figure out what normal is and go with that um, is very helpful. So, yeah, I mean, you know, get, get the help you can. I mean, therapy, I think, is a good thing. It can really help put things in perspective for you. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, you know, some physical violence, but a lot of emotional abuse. And I think sometimes, I mean, the physical violence is bad, but I think the emotional abuse is hard too, because you can't, you know, it's, 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 it's in your mind, it's in your brain. It's things that have been done to you over the course of time that you can't get away from and it haunts you, unfortunately. So you will, you know, I'm very confident you will recover. I mean, I, I grew up in a bad situation and, you know, my mother was sick and my father was abusive and one little story. You know, I remember, I mean, I, I would wake up and go to sleep almost every night with just screaming in my house, so, you know, violent, loud screaming. And, you know, I, I, I did see one abuse happen where my father had hit my mother and gave her like a bloody mouth and a bloody nose. And there may have been others. That's one of the few that I did see. I remember that being really traumatic. But I also remember one time, you know, my father lost his temper and he literally knocked my bedroom door off the hinges of my room and came in and punched me right in the face, blood all over the place. And, you know, that was one of uh, many times where we had confrontations. And later in life, when I got big, you know, I finally stood up to him and kind of ended the physical confrontations by letting him know that he couldn't do that anymore. That was a, a big, strong young man now, and that was over. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. Uh, you go through that stuff. But I think for me, it was more the emotional abuse being told that I was stupid, that I was never going to be anything, that I was, you know, every negative name in the book. And 
you know, you hear those things and they become part of you and it's hard. So I'm going to do a whole show on this at some point and kind of talk about some of the specific instances that I've been through. You're welcome. Um, you know, this, this is touchy for me. This is hard for me to talk about. So I'm kind of glad I got to do it on a little bit smaller scale here, you know, with around a million people in here. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And I know my wife, I don't want to talk too much for her, but she had some difficult times in her life as well in her family with certain things. So I think the two of us, when we met each other, we both came from similar backgrounds. And I think we were able to at least, um, you know, make it work between us where we don't we don't abuse each other. I mean, we get into fights like everybody else and we say things we shouldn't say. And we've had some, believe me, we've had some blowouts over the year. But all in all, it's kind of a good thing, you know, our relationship. So anyway, the emotional abuse is as bad as the physical. And I had both. It is. I mean, they're both very, very bad. And, oh, man. Yeah, if you, now, do you have kids? I can't remember if you said you had kids as part of your family. And if you do, I mean, it's probably a good thing that the two of you are going to separate and you can focus on, you know, just moving forward and hopefully having a, a good, you know, relationship with your children individually. So you do from a previous marriage. All right. Don't, you know, hang in there. I mean, don't beat yourself up too badly. I mean, I think anybody, when they're in a relationship with family, with friends, whatever it may be, with a, you know, with a marriage or a girlfriend, I mean, things happen. And you get into arguments and I'm sure that you probably said things you didn't agree with. You know, if she was treating you a certain way, then you probably, you know, had to speak up for yourself. So, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up too much about it. I mean, move forward. You got yourself into a bad situation. It sounds like you're getting yourself out of that bad situation right now. So that's good. I mean, you're doing a good thing to move your life forward and that's all you can do. And I think if you learn from every relationship you're in, because believe me, I had some bad ones too. If you learn from those relationships and you continue to move forward and make yourself better as a person then eventually i think you'll get to that right place where you meet the person that you're truly meant to be with and i don't love the term soulmate uh, you know i don't really believe in soulmates but i do think that you know if you find a person where you can both grow together without one trying to control the other and you support each other then you both grow together over time i think when one person is trying to stifle another person or hold another person back, then, you know, the intent may be to keep that person close out of insecurity or whatever it may be. But I think in time, what happens is you grow apart because the one person that's being held close by a person that's controlling, it, it, the natural instinct is to try to grow away from that person. So, um, you know, I think you have to have trust. You have to believe in the person you're with. And I think that you really have to, Try to uplift the person you're with and that person has to do it for you as well and if you have that then i think you have a good chance of maybe you know growing together and having a long-lasting relationship where you're actually both happy so i hope that all makes sense i mean i'm just talking i'm no i'm no dr fraser crane so i can't i can't really say that's just my opinion through what i've experienced in life so i see a roastmaster glenn uh emotional abuse i can't speak emotional abuse i find it worse you can hear you can heal physically in a few days or weeks whereas the mental fuck fuckery can linger subconsciously for years you know it can and glenn thank you again for sharing my show i appreciate that and you know snow pro i guess i'm wise but i'm only wise because i've been through it <laughs> you know so i say that to my kids all the time i think they get mad at me because i give them advice and you know it's not that i'm smart 
it's this, I've been there, I've done it, I'm 52 years old, I've been through a lot, you know, I've been through relationships that haven't worked, I grew up in a family that was a very toxic place to grow up, and believe me, I had a very, very difficult time as a kid living in that house. I mean, I remember times where I was ready to snap, you know, I couldn't take it anymore, the yelling, the screaming, the fighting, the emotional abuse, it was very, very difficult. And you know, I, I, I'm not putting it the accurate words right now, but it, it was awful. It was tough, you know? Um, so let's see, I want to go back to what uh, Rose Master Glenn has said. Yeah, okay, so I read that. Um, well, I appreciate you saying I'm wise, um, as I talked about a little bit, but you're right, experience is wisdom. And you're going to, you know, if you're not already there, you're going to get there. Everyone's been through shitty relationships. Everyone's had that. And I've always said that my parents should have divorced, <laughs> you know, into their relationship. I mean, a good time before, you know, they did. And even at the very end when my mother was very sick, and I'll think about this story now. My mother was very, very sick at the end of her life. And to my father's credit, he did do a good job taking care of her. She was bedridden. She was, you know, soiling herself on a daily basis in her bed. She couldn't feed herself. He was giving her injections into her body every day. And this went on for months and months, if not a couple of years. So it was a very difficult time for him. And, you know, he went through a lot with her. He had to watch his wife get sick. They found out, I think, when he was 33 years old that my mother had muscular dystrophy and she was going to slowly die over time. So I can't imagine the stress that that brought into their relationship. So I've tried to think about all these things, you know, and but I, I look at, what they went through and the fighting that happened and the way he treated her over the years at the end when she was sick i remember one time they got into a fight and she was literally in a wheelchair and he shook her wheelchair and said to her why don't you just fucking die <laughs> you know i almost killed him i was there i was grown up i saw this happen and i mean this woman is her body's failing she's ill she knows she's gonna die and here's the husband coming in shaking your fucking wheelchair that you're trapped in and saying something like that you know it was tragic for me to see that i can't imagine what that felt like for my mother but she was trapped in that nightmare for you know a very long time so you know uh, that's uh, one of the things that happened you know towards the end for my mom and that was uh very difficult to watch my father when she was that sick and that old literally shake her wheelchair and say to her why don't you die you know so but you know my father and i at one point didn't talk for about five years and we're at a point now where he's 79 years old he has dementia and we have at least a decent workable relationship thank you i appreciate that you know it means a lot to hear that and i'm sure that you know firsthand it's very difficult to talk about things you know i'm kind of a proud guy and i don't really share my feelings too much you know, with really anybody with the exception of my inner family and um you know um my wife she knows and really even some of my good friends that i grew up with they don't know so you guys know more about me than they do right now but yeah you know it's not easy to go through that stuff man and uh a lot of us have been through it yeah men they do you know men don't like to talk you know we, we we've been told since we were little don't have feelings you need to be a man you know so that's why sometimes i want to get on and talk about some of these things i mean you've heard my shows we like to have fun my daughter and I get on, we screw around, and we freestyle and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and you know what, maybe, maybe those stories, Snow Pro, maybe those are, those are things that you're not meant to tell anyone. You know, probably stories that maybe 
you, know, you share with a therapist. You know, I've got Roastmaster Glenn wants to call in. Let me, oh, I guess not. I think he may have hit the wrong button. So anyway, how do you feel? Red Sox, let's talk baseball. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because that's the one thing my father and I can talk about. Uh, he's a big baseball fan. And if you've ever seen the movie Feel the Dreams, where Kevin Costner plays catch with his father at the end of that movie, that's very similar to the relationship my father and I and I had. I mean, I was a very good baseball player. I was a left-handed hitting catcher. You know, hit a lot of home runs. I think I maybe might have had a chance if I stuck with it to maybe play for the Red Sox or one of those teams. And uh, you know, my father made it miserable for me. I hated it. So I ended eventually ended up quitting baseball because I despised it because my father made it miserable because he was good. He never made it. He had some interest from the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and some other teams, the Houston Colt 45s at the time. Actually, not the Blue Jays. Who was I thinking? It was the Philadelphia team. So he had some interest from a bunch of different teams. Didn't make it, so he tried to make me make it for him. And I uh, made it miserable. So I ended up you know, quitting baseball, focusing on football. That's probably the one things I would change about myself. Yeah, I think it was not the Phillies. I think it was the maybe the Athletics when they were interested in him, the Philadelphia Athletics, and then they became the Phillies. But um, yeah, that, that is a great movie, Feel the Dreams. But that was kind of my life. And, you know, my father and I have now at least had a decent relationship. And I think he knows that he made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I try to move forward. And I think, you know, Snow Pro, this is important for you. You know, don't hold on to the anger. If you hold on to the anger at your ex-wife, then it's going to become a part of you and you're not going to be able to continue on and live a positive life. I think you need to, you know, if you get the divorce, get that done and then try to move forward and try not to have negative feelings towards her because when you hold on to hate, and I've done this, you know, when you hold on to hate, then it makes you hate and it makes things very difficult for your life to be positive. So, you know, if you can try, try to release the hate, try to move forward with my father, I've released the hate and he and I have a decent working relationship. I mean, I'll never forget the things he did, but I try to understand, you know, the life that he had and where he was coming from and why he was the way he was. And, you know, it at least makes it bearable for me. And we've actually had a decent relationship in the last number of years. So yeah, good. I mean, you, you got to do that. Okay. Uh, top three sports movies. Oh boy, that's tough. I've watched a lot of sports movies, so uh, let's see if we can maybe chat about that one for a bit. Top three sports movies. I would say Feel the Dreams, and I, I'm going to have to expand past three, but I would say Feel the Dreams is one of my favorites. Cinderella Man is one of my favorites. The boxing movie about Jim J. Braddock, which was excellent. Russell Crowe was in that. It was a really good movie. Um, I would say definitely the Rocky series, especially the original Rocky is right up there. Bull Durham is another one that I really like. For football, you know, I, I like remember the Titans. I like the program. Even for hockey, you know, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but Slapshot, how can you look the other way with Slapshot? Uh, for golf, probably Caddyshack as a comedy. And even uh, what was the what was the other one with Kevin Costner? The other golfing movie that I actually kind of liked, uh, Tin Cup. Uh, Tin Cup was oh yeah, Bull Durham was great. I mean, that's one of the, one of the all time great sports movies of all time. I really enjoyed that. But there have been so many. Oh, can't forget Rudy. Rudy was a good movie. I, I enjoyed watching Rudy Rudiker and the story of him at Notre Dame. So that was pretty cool. So, I mean, definitely there's been a lot of good sports movies over the years. Which ones do you guys have? What are some of your favorites? If you if you could give you a top three. Yeah, you know, I, that's the thing, right? Three. All right, I'm going to really try to narrow it down. If I, if, I had, if I was going to an island and I could only bring three sports movies with me, probably one would be Rocky. I love Rocky. Number two, I'd have to think of probably... Probably a, 
a baseball movie, and that's tough. I would probably go with Feel the Dreams would be my second. So Rocky, number one, Feel the Dreams, number two, and number three, what would number three be? Oh, there's so many good ones. I mean, Cinderella Man would be good, but I've already got a boxing movie on there. Um, I like the, what was the one with Shaquille O'Neal and Nick Nolte, that basketball movie about college basketball? I can't remember the name of that. Then there was also, of course, uh, Hoosiers, which was a great one. Uh, Mighty Ducks. Oh, Major League, too. That's another guy. I just watched Major League the other day. That's a classic. Um, I would say if I went with a third. So I'm at Rocky. I am at Field of Dreams. Man. Um, I don't know. Maybe a comedy. Maybe something like maybe something like Major League, maybe. Or a Bull Durham. You know, because I'm a big baseball guy. So that would probably be... You know some of the some of the ones I'd probably like, and I guess if I went football, it might be maybe the program. I like that movie a lot with James Caan when he was the head coach. So I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> a lot of tough choices there. Hey, Mohinmi, welcome to the live studio. I appreciate you have you being in here. We're just chatting about a few different things. We're talking about you know, would you change anything about yourself today? Would you change anything about the world if you could? And we're also kind of chatting a little bit about favorite sports movies. So if you have any sports movies you like. So Mohini, what's up? Uh, where are you from? And you know, if you had something to change today in the world, what would it be? Or is there anything in your life that you would change right now if you could? You know, India, very good. Yeah, we've had uh, a lot of people in from India, and I hear that you're on complete lockdown with the COVID virus. So I imagine that that's been probably a very difficult time to not be able to leave your house. Yeah, I'm from Boston in the United States. So I'm in the U.S., and if you know Boston, it's very close to New York City. That's where I live, uh, you know, close to Boston anyway. I live in Massachusetts. So, you know, we're here today just kind of chatting a little bit and make sure, you know, if this is your first time here, follow my show and make sure you come back. And we've got some other people in here that do shows as well. Roastmaster Glenn has a good show. Feel free to follow him. Oh, Roastmaster Glenn, you want to call in? Oh, you chimed out again. I keep missing you. Okay, let's see. If I was forced to change something about myself, I'd have to try and less willing to go headfirst into verbal confrontations. I'd have to try. So what you're saying is you don't like confrontations. Yeah, Mohini, my name is John. So that's my name. So you're saying you don't like confrontations? You know, I, I, I guess I don't either. I mean, my wife really doesn't. She tries to avoid. Oh, you do like them. Okay, yeah. I'm someone that, you know, I don't like them, but believe me, you know, when someone is coming after my family or coming after me, I'm probably a little too aggressive when it comes to defending defending my people or defending my tribe. And I've got to get better sometimes at maybe taking the high road instead of just going low and fighting right away. So, yeah, but my wife is the other. My, my wife does not like confrontations at all. She tries to avoid them. But she, you know, she is very good at taking the high road. But when she has to, she gets dirty and fights. But you end up enjoy being yourself and other people get hurt by it. Yeah, you know, I think that that happens sometimes. I don't know if you're an extrovert. I kind of am. And I'm very comfortable, you know, talking to people and being myself. And I try to answer things very honestly as I see it anyway. I mean, people may not agree with me. But, yeah, say I do the same thing. I say things sometimes and without even realizing it, I've maybe hurt someone's feelings or something like that. So, you know, you have to be careful with that type of stuff. But I'm guilty of that as well. I do the same thing. So, hey, we've got four people in. Um, I'd like to hear from everybody. You know, Mohami, if you're still here, let us know what's going on in India. Hey, Johnny Blaze, welcome to the studio. We're kind of just chatting about a variety of different subjects. And uh, feel free to participate if you'd like to. Um, 
you know, I guess I'm just kind of generally asking is our main topping point. If there's something that you could change about yourself, what would it be? If you could change something about the world, what would it be? If you want to chat about something else, we were talking about sports, movies, and things like that. Feel free to throw those out also. Uh, Snowpro, I wish more people could talk about politics and the issues without attacking each other. Very true. I love everyone, no matter what their political views are. You know, that's the sad thing with this with this country, and I can't say for the world because I'm not really, you know, world educated in how people communicate regarding politics. But you're right. In the U.S. right now, man, oh, you're either a Democrat or a Republican. You're either Trump or anti-Trump. And if you try to talk politics, it almost always ends up in a fight. That was one of the main reasons why I took a very long break from Facebook. I was off for about a month. And I just got tired of people fighting all the time, people arguing and fighting over politics and everything else. So I just got sick of it. And, I, and sometimes I'd get in the middle of these fights, I'd make a comment and someone starts attacking you, then you fight back and people start unfriending you and things like that. So I got back onto Facebook recently. And I think I dumped like 400 people from my list. So I have a much leaner Facebook group that I now have. And it was funny, I actually removed seven dead people from my Facebook friends list. So that shows I'm getting older when you have literally seven dead people listed as Facebook friends. So I kind of dumped all of them. But uh, hey, we've got seven people in here, which is great. Uh, Roastmaster Glenn, in my life, I've avoided being overly engaged in politics because it's always a heated conversation. You're absolutely right. Glenn also said a little bit earlier, he's an introvert, but I have a side of my personality that leads to getting enjoyment from toxic banter. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I. I guess I say I'm an extrovert, and if you met me, you would say that I'm an extrovert because I'm not afraid of social situations. I go up and I talk to people, but honestly, I think I prefer being alone. <laughs> you know, I like being by myself. I like being with my family. I think maybe because over the years I've had so many people disappoint me, whether it be, you know, good friends, family members. I kind of, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm actually pretty comfortable being by myself and enjoying my own private time. So what's the rule on deleting passed on people in social media? Like when is it okay to unfriend, right? Well, I didn't even realize I had that many friends that had died. But I went, when I went through my list, I'm like, oh, that person's dead, dump them. But most of them, I think I lasted for at least a year or two with them still as friends. But I just felt it was creepy. I had uh, dead people that I was friends with on Facebook. So I kind of dumped all of them and I went through the list. And if I saw people that were kind of pissing me off or annoying me, or if I really didn't, uh, I don't know, did, I, there, were, there were a lot of people I had as Facebook friends. I didn't even know who the fuck they were. So I'm looking at those people. I'm like, all right, if I don't know who you are, you're gone. You know, again, maybe it's my bad memory. Maybe I just added somebody, you know. But when they're your friend, did you actually know them? Yeah, see, that, that's that's the thing, man. You know, with Facebook, Facebook, Facebook is, um, it's a strange thing, right? I was happy when I first got it. And Facebook is so full of shit. You know, people get on there. Look at my perfect life. Look at my perfect family. Look at my beautiful home. Look at my Range Rover, whatever it may be. And when you know the family up front, it's like, Jesus, I hang out with these people. They're a fucking train wreck in real life. And on Facebook, though, they look like they're, you know, the gold standard for family and things like that. And, you know, people do the same thing. You know, look at my new Gucci this or fucking designer that and whatever else. And that stuff just kind of irritates me. So, you know, my, my wife and I, we try to live under the radar as far as that stuff goes. You have a solid 21 friends on Facebook. That's the way to do it, man. I think I had like something like 1,300 friends. Now, I, I grew up in New Hampshire. 
I went to a private high school also. So I had two high schools worth of friends that I knew and then college and sports. And, you know, the town I live in now is a small town where everybody knows each other. So I became friends with a lot of different people. But when I came back, I literally just dumped a bunch of people. And, you know, if people are angry, I'm sorry. It is what it is, you know, but uh, I just need to be on there and be happy. Hey, Sinister Bree, welcome back. I'm on solo right now talking about uh, just some different shit. You know, we had like a little bit of a focus on the show about if you could change something about yourself, what would it be? If you could change something about the world, what would it be? And if you're happy with yourself, cool. You know, but we've been talking about some other stuff too. Some other comments have come up. We've talked about, uh, you know, abuse in families that I've been through. We've talked about divorce. We've talked about a variety of stuff, you know. So for me, just more idealistic stuff. Um, I mentioned that if I could, I would go back and focus on baseball over football. That was always my sport personally and take a crack at it to see if I could have made it into the major leagues or at least even to the minor leagues. For the world, I'd just like to see, you know, maybe maybe everyone just put aside the political bill bullshit, the religious bullshit, and just be able to focus on getting along with each other, you know? So, yeah, I know, I know you were. And again, you know, I, I haven't really talked about mine on the radio, and I know you had mentioned you've been through a lot of shit also. I talked a little bit about mine, and someday I'll do a show where I talk about it in more detail. But yeah, I had a I had a violent dad that, um, you know, was a physically abusive, emotionally abusive to both my mother and I, to my sister, and it wasn't easy. I went through a lot of shit, and uh, you know, you learn, you live. Um, you know, yeah, definitely sorry to sinister. I mean, people that have been through it know know what it's like, and I think it's a lot more prevalent than people think it is. Okay, ooh, for a fun experiment, we should ask Caitlin if she could force you to change one thing. What would that be? Yeah, yeah she's not here. I don't know where she is. I think she's up in her room. I think she got sick of doing the podcast today. She didn't want to do another one. But that would be a good question to ask her. I'm sure that she would have uh, plenty of advice about the different things she would change about me, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, as, uh, as being her dad. I mean, you know, again, you know, I talk about my father and the house I grew up in. You know, does that mean I'm perfect as a father? Hell no. I mean, if you don't think my wife and I have gotten into screaming fights in front of our children, if you don't think we have made mistakes, you don't think I've made mistakes, of course I have. I have not been, you know, the uh, the poster boy for perfect fatherhood of perfect parenting, you know, if it was in the dictionary. Hey, Brian, welcome, man. Good to see you again. Thanks for sharing the live show. But yeah, we're just talking about a few different things where we, we talked about change. What would you change about yourself? What would you change about the world? We got into talking about, um, you know, abuse that people have maybe suffered in their lives. We've been talking about uh, divorce. You know, I was saying that my parents probably should have been divorced. They weren't. And uh, despite, you know, my wife and I getting into it here and there, the good news is, you know, we, uh, I don't think we've, we've gotten to the point where we've been really bad. There's been no physical abuse in our house. And we've had yelling and fighting and things like that, but nothing, you know, really horrible. But I guess maybe that's all relative also. I mean, I think about, sure, man, come back whenever. We, you know you're always welcome. So do what you got to do. But, you know, I guess it's all relative. I mean, I guess, you know, if I compare what happened in my house to what happens, you know, my house as a child to what happens now, then maybe that's not a fair comparison. Maybe my kids look at our parenting and be like, oh, you know, my parents are assholes. I don't think they do. I hope they don't. But uh, I guess I'll have to ask. And of course, they're not going to tell me the truth <laughs> anyway. But hey, people that are still here, I've got seven people in. I'm, I assume we've got some new people. If if you have any regrets in your life, um, you know, something, maybe a, a path not taken. You know, for me, it was about not going after a baseball career. I was good at baseball. 
um, I didn't pursue it. I played football instead, and you know, I still went to college on a scholarship, but I would have liked to have known how far I could have gone with baseball. So to me, that's kind of a road not traveled, something I never really did. And you know, I may not have been good enough. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have been. But even if I was, you know, you, you just don't know when you don't try. So, you know, what would you change about yourself if there was one thing you could go back in history and change? Would you change it? And if there's something in the world you change, you know, what would you change? What would you look at and say, man, if I could eliminate this, if I could um, you know, change this one aspect of the way the world operates, what would it be? You know, and Brian, you're right, man. It, it is all about perspective. It's all relative, right? It's relative to the experiences you've had in your life. Um, you know, again, what I consider to be abusive maybe isn't as bad as what Sinister Breed considers to be abusive or for what my daughter considers to be abusive. I think everyone has different definitions of what a dysfunctional relationship or a dysfunctional family might be, you know. So you're right. That was a very good comment, short to the point. It's all about perspective. And you hit the nail right on the head there with that. So, yeah, you know, um, I'm sitting here still just trying to do the best I can with my life, trying to do the best I can um, with the family, I'm trying to navigate us through this pandemic. And oh, look at that. So Brian, just 100 days short of sober. Good for you, man. You know what, dude? I haven't done any sounds right now. And if I can find my friggin' sounds, here we go. Cheer for you. Brian, you're a hero, man. That is awesome. I mean, 100 days after a lifetime of alcoholism, good for you. I mean, to be able to do something like that and to step up and to, you know, fight your demons, whatever, whatever they may be, and to do that, man, that's amazing. I'm really happy for you. And I imagine, I mean, it's been hard, I would think, right? I mean, to if you've been drinking your whole life. And now, again, I don't think I've ever been physically dependent on alcohol, but I drank a lot in my 20s. I mean, a lot, you know, to the point where it was probably five nights a week and I would go out not just to have a few beers. I'd go out to get shit-faced and loaded. And uh, I did a lot of drinking in my 20s, you know. I mean, there wasn't a weekend that went by I didn't drink. And for me, you know, most weekends went through, you know, Wednesday through Sunday, maybe even Monday. So I was drinking every night and getting really loaded. And, um, but I don't think I ever had a physical dependence, but I had an emotional dependence where I felt like I needed to go out and drink. And, you know, it was never something where I felt sick if I didn't or anything to that effect. But uh, I couldn't imagine my life without drinking. And I really don't drink much now at all. Um, I did throughout my 20s quite a bit, a little bit into my 30s, and then kind of I slowed it down quite a bit into my 40s and now into my early 50s. But uh, yeah, man, that's that takes a lot of courage to go after something like that. I have a lot of respect for people that have beaten drugs and beaten alcohol. You know, my wife runs a Suboxone clinic where she helps people who are addicted to opioids get off of drugs. And, uh, you know, that uh, that is a, a very tough, tough thing to beat. And I'm looking here, so you nearly died from alcohol withdrawal. Wow. Now, is there a way, and again, I have no idea, so I'm just asking to understand, is there a way to for them to lessen the withdrawal for you? So if you're going through that and you're, you're almost dying from the alcohol withdrawal, is there any medication they can give you to help you? Or does taking medication just exacerbate the problem where you're now taking a medication <laughs> you know, for that? Yeah, she really is. I mean, you know, she's had it in her family. And she, you know, she grew up in a family with uh, that had a lot of challenges, and she's done a lot of good for people that needed help. So they used, okay, I don't even know what that is, but Librium, I'll have to look it up. And Naxaltrexone, so that, that helped you a little bit with that. And you know, does it is it is it hard for you still now 
where it's been a hundred days? Do you still have days where you still want to drink? Or is it pretty much now where you've gotten past that and you feel like it's mostly, you know, smooth sailing going forward? Sometimes, yeah. Well, you know, I, I've done, like I said, I drank a lot. I don't think I had a physical dependence, but I smoked for a while. I chewed tobacco, playing sports, and that's actually what led into smoking. I know quitting smoking was very hard. I remember being physically dependent on that, where if I stopped, you know, I felt physically ill. I felt, um, you know, like I would throw up. And I think I may even have thrown up when quitting that. Um, smoked pot quite a bit when I was younger. And uh, again, I don't think I was physically dependent, but I did a lot of it. <laughs> so uh, I was stoned quite a bit through my, you know, 20s and those ages. So so lifelong PTSD being born. Oh, you got cerebral palsy. All right. Really? I had no idea. I mean, I heard you on the radio. You see, I, I don't know if you were on when I was talking about it. My mother had muscular dystrophy and we dealt with her having that for many, many years. And then, um, you know, obviously, you know, my son has autism. So, wow. So, man, you're, that's awesome. You do your podcast and you're active and, man, that, that had to be tough. I mean, to grow up with cerebral palsy. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, yeah, I feel, boy, that's tough. I give you credit, man, for, for keeping fighting and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I was going to say Brian is doing a good job. I, I wouldn't say he's making light of it, but you can tell, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You know, we're men. This is what we do, right? I mean, for me, I was talking about the abuse that I, you know, endured earlier in my life, and I don't talk about it. You know, I mean, really, with the exception of my wife, maybe my kids to an extent, a couple of very close friends, and now all of you, since I shared a couple of stories, you know, I, I don't talk about it. And you know, Brian seems like he's the same type of guy. He's a man's man, and you know, I mean, you've been through what you've been through, and you know, I guess maybe the way I was raised, probably the way you were raised too, you know, don't whine about it. It is what it is. You have to go out there and make the best of your life. So but I give you credit, man. It sounds, seems like you have, you've had some challenges and I always admire people that fight through challenges. Now, you know, I saw that you said you never took advantage of it. My mother, same thing. She was, you know, had muscular dystrophy. She was a nurse. She worked almost right up to the point where she was dead and she did it because she wanted to. She was an ICU nurse at one point and then couldn't do that job anymore and was kind of demoted at the hospital. Then eventually she moved to a nursing home and worked there. It was less of a strenuous job. And then eventually moved to a small doctor's office and helped the doctor there. But she worked and worked and worked and really very rarely have ever complained. Even as she was bound in a wheelchair for the remainder of her life, she didn't complain much. And uh, yeah, you know, I really respect people that don't, you know, hide behind things and not not to say that you know you know what i'm saying and i'll tell you nothing still to this day pisses me off more than someone who parks in a freaking disabled person's uh or handicapped parking space and doesn't need it oh that aggravates the shit out of me i mean i see people that work that walk perfectly fine and they they park in a you know handicapped space and oh that drives me crazy man <laughs> so i i appreciate you know snow, snow pro one of the things that i talked about was that, yeah, I still haven't seen Glenn on his podcast. I've got to do it. I, I feel bad that I haven't been on yet. I might listen to some of your recordings and maybe download one of your shows and listen that way because I, I don't stay up late enough, I think, to listen to your show. But, yeah, you know, Snow Pro, one of the things I, I, I made a promise to myself is if I was going to do this, I was going to be honest. You know, I was going to get on. And I think what makes a good show is, is getting on and talking about what's real. You know, talking about yourself, putting yourself out there, talking to people and you know hopefully listening to their issues and talk real about your issues with them and you know brian you're right on the mark there um 
life does not care if you're normal. And that, you know, that's kind of the way I've raised my oldest son. You know, for, for those of you that know me well, I've got the four children. My oldest has autism, he's 17 years old. And I've had expectations of him like I've had of my other three children. And some people might look at that and say, boy, he's being kind of strict on this kid or he's being hard on this kid. But you know, the world doesn't care. The world doesn't care what his challenges are. And I've always told him, I've told him point blank since he was little, listen, you have autism and it makes things hard for you. I understand that. I said, but don't ever, ever, ever use autism as an excuse as to why you can't do something. Don't ever, you know, feel bad for yourself. You go out there and give 100% in everything you do. And whether you end up being, you know, a bag boy at the grocery store or you end up being a movie star or whatever it may be, whatever you do is good enough. But just go out and give it the best you have. And I, I got to say, he's a hard worker. He's inspirational. He very rarely have ever complains. Every now and then he will have that little breakdown where he knows he's different and things are harder for him. And I sympathize with him when he has those. But we talk about how he has to be strong and how he has to fight through these things. And, uh, you know, it's true. It, it is a cruel world and no one is going to give a damn about him. You know, they will look at him as being broken and, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the way the world is. So I've tried to raise him, you know, with um, just some, you know, some tough love, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. And I remember, you know, you know, I've never talked about this with him, but he was a wrestler after he boxed or started boxing at that boxing gym. Matt went into wrestling. His two uncles were both state champion wrestlers. I never wrestled. I played basketball in the winter. I wasn't very good at it, but I played basketball. So his two two uncles were state champion wrestlers. He decided he wanted to be a wrestler. So this kid survived three years of wrestling, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. He would have kept going, but the high school here does not have a wrestling program at the high school, so he couldn't wrestle in high school. And again, you know, he wasn't the best wrestler out there. If he went up against the kid who was an elite wrestler, the kid was going to beat him pretty quickly. But he won his fair share of matches. He was one of the hardest working kids on the wrestling squad. He actually, now there was a lower division. There was like a beginner division. And then obviously the, the kids that are really competitive. So he went into this huge tournament in uh, the North Shore of Massachusetts one year and won. He won his division. And there were a couple of the kids that you know were quirky like he was. So it wasn't like he was uh, wrestling, you know, the best wrestlers in the state, but he won a medal. He won first place. And that year he even was able, I think due to the help of a snowstorm that canceled one of the semifinals, he was able to wrestle in the state championships that year. So he went and he won a match. He beat a kid in the state championships and then lost his next couple pretty quickly. But I mean, you know, my kid with autism, who never, never gave anyone gave a chance. He wrestled for three years and one of the most heartwarming heartwarming things that i am
Uh, Brian, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing by teaching him these things. It looks like I may lose you no sound. Oh, boy. All right, let me know if the sound comes back. Okay, you hear me now. The warning came up on my screen. That hasn't happened in a while. If, just so you all know, if by chance I get shut off again, then I'll probably just end the show. I've been on for like an hour, and I plan to come on for about an hour. But um, Snowpro, I wanted to talk to you really quickly. I'm glad my sound didn't get completely cut off. But um, you have a son on the spectrum, low end. I never treated him any different than my other son. He's doing great out in the world. He thanked me for not treating him differently. Proud moment for me. Let me ask you, Snowpro, what does he do? Uh, how old is he and what does he do now? Because, you know, my son's 17. We're hoping college is on the horizon. We're hoping he's going to be, uh, you know, maybe able to go to a community college. And if he does well there, maybe to a four-year college and hopefully having a job someday. You know, that's kind of our hope for him. So, yeah, I'd like to know, you know, what does your son do? And does he have a job? I mean, just curious as to where he's at. So that's awesome. It sounds like you've done a great job. Hey, Sonia, good to see you again. Um, yeah, Caitlin bailed on me for this afternoon. She was uh, tired after our long show this morning. So I figured I'd get on, get on and do one more show this afternoon. We've been watching TV all day, watching a new uh, Netflix series uh, called The Cardinal, actually, on uh, Hulu, which is pretty good. So if anyone's looking for something new, Cardinal on Hulu is a pretty good show. So check it out. So, yeah, Snow Pro, I'm not sure if you're still there. If you are, let me know what's going on. But, uh, yeah, this has been a good show. Here we go. So he's 25 finished top in his class at college now works in computer technologies that's awesome i mean that is absolutely amazing hats off to you hats off to your son and uh, you know i hope that for my son i mean my son is high functioning autism he's not asperger's but um we're hopeful that he's going to be able to have a career he does struggle in school if he goes to college i don't think he'll be in the top of his class but you know, we're hoping he can go for theater, which he really loves, and then maybe history, which he's really good at, and then, you know, figure it out after that. Um, so, oh, that's great. And that makes me feel good that you've got that and your son succeeded. And, you know, it gives hope for other people that have kids on the spectrum. I'll never forget this past Christmas when my son got the role as Buddy in Elf the Musical here in uh, Massachusetts. He was all over Facebook. People were sharing his story like crazy. And he was on the Boston news stations. He was in the Boston newspapers, the Boston Herald. He was, uh, they were talking about him on Boston morning radio stations. So people started sharing his story like crazy. And uh, it was, it, it went viral on Facebook and Instagram. They were trying to get him you know, onto the Ellen show. But the whole point of that was when he had his shows, they had four performances um, at the location he was at. It was a college in central Massachusetts. There were parents that came up to me that told me they had driven 90 minutes, even two hours from where they lived because they saw the story on the news or read it in the newspaper or saw it online. It even made the USA Today. They drove to see him in the performance so they could show their child that had maybe autism. There was one that had Down syndrome that all came just to see him perform. And he was like a superstar afterwards. They all wanted pictures taken with him and everything like that. So it was great. Let's see. Yeah, he'll be fine if you don't give up on him. Encourage him and push him to reach his goals. That's what we're going to try to do. So I appreciate that. That means a lot. And, you know, as you know, I'm sure it's hard at times because we've watched him, you know, fail in a lot of different things. But uh, it's good now after all the years of work that he's put in, he is starting to succeed and have some successes. And, 
he's feeling pretty good about himself, which is good. I mean, that's what it's all about. So we're hoping to get there with all four of our kids. You know, Caitlin's been through a tough time here and there. So we're looking for things to approve for her. You know, but, uh, you know, my, my younger two, same thing. I mean, middle school is a tough time. High school is a tough time. But I think once you get past that time in your life and you get into your 20s, you start realizing that, you know, you aren't going to always be stuck in that same society where, you know, the popular kids are just assholes. It's kind of funny. You know, you, you still have the popular kids, <coughs> excuse me, as you get older. But generally, those popular kids look more and more like assholes as they get older and they become apparent. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to cough for a second. Let me hit my cough button. <coughs> Okay, hopefully you can hear me again. I hit my mute button. I've got a little coughing thing going on. But anyway, you know, the original topic of the show is if you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? Would that be change something you've done in the past? Make a different decision? Take a different path in your life? Would you change something in the world? Um, let's see. I mean, the people that matter by 25, you don't see anymore. It's true. I mean, I do have childhood friends that I see once a year. We go to a guy's weekend and these were guys that i've known since i was little and we were lucky to maintain a pretty good friendship over the years but you're right in general the majority of the people i went to high school with and i you know went to middle school with i mean i don't even know you know with the exception of facebook them telling me how perfect their life is occasionally i don't know you know where they're at and <laughs> what they're doing so you've got one friend since 16 but that's it you know and that happens i mean i i think that a lot, a lot of kids are assholes and you know for me i guess looking back on high school i mean i talk about it with my with my kids i mean middle school i struggled but in high school i guess i was in a pretty good position you know by my senior year i was captain of the football team and you know i guess if you're going to be in high school that's not a bad way to go because you're considered fairly popular but honestly even being captain of the football team high school still sucked you know it's it sucked it was petty um i hated being there so I guess I can look at it from that perspective, but if you were in a perspective where you know you were struggling to find your social group or your clique, and um, you know you didn't have that, and you didn't have, I guess maybe the popularity that I had when I was in school. I mean, I could see high school being even worse than it was for me, and it wasn't great for me. So, Eric Kirk, so you have a lot of things I change about myself if I could do it all over again. See, that's interesting. Um, and both you, you too, Sonia, that's interesting. So you would change things. You know, I'm trying to think about, I mentioned the one thing that I would change about myself is I would change the path I took in choosing football over baseball. I'd like to see maybe, you know, where that would have gone if I had gone with baseball because I played football in college, but baseball was my sport. Um, other things, I, I wish when I was younger, I also had the, the courage to really go after maybe being in movies and television. You know, I've done five small movies just in tiny little parts, and I got those into my late 30s and 40s. And it was because I got together with a group locally and just got into those films. But it would have been nice to maybe try that, you know, and have the courage to pick up and just move to California and try those type of things, you know. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have made excuses for those who hurt me. Okay. You know, that's a good point. I, You know, I love having you on here because you kind of give me a different perspective to think of. You know, I've got my man brain, and I kind of like the fact you come in and make me think about it a little bit different way. You know, that's that's a really, really, really good point. And I think that, you know, we had we had a talk a little bit earlier about someone that's going through a divorce and about some of the things that happened there. And I think sometimes people do that when you make excuses for people who hurt you, you know? Yeah, I, I get your point completely. So I really like that comment. Thank you. Okay, Eric Kirk, if I, I would have liked to have gotten to be 
a professional Olympic swimmer. My fascination with the Olympics since the 1996 Atlanta Games. Now, Eric Kirk, let me ask you, are you a swimmer or were you a swimmer? And were you a competitive swimmer? You know, because I get you there because that's kind of how I feel about baseball. Same thing. You know, I played football at a competitive Division One college. I got a full scholarship, which was nice. My parents weren't rich, so it helped us, you know, not have to pay college bills. But uh, I've always got that. So, okay, you never got the privilege of being a competitive swimmer. So what you're saying is you would have liked to have tried. You would have liked to have given it a shot. I get that. You know, that certainly makes sense. You know, to a way here, I mean, one of the one of the regrets I had was when I got out of college, I was living, you know, with my parents. And as you now know, I've given you some information, all of you, that I wasn't living in a good situation. So I couldn't stay there. I would have liked to have pursued broadcasting. But literally, when I got out of college broadcasting if you were lucky paid you five dollars an hour and i could not move out and live on my own making that i didn't have enough money so for me i took a job in sales and kind of you know gave up on my dream of being in broadcasting so one of the ways i deal with it now is i'm 52 years old i still have that other job that i like doing but now i've got podcasting and again i have no illusions of grandeur here i don't expect to be howard stern anytime soon i don't expect for this to be my career I'm doing this because it's fun. I enjoy it. And it kind of scratches that itch of something I never really got to do. So have you ever thought of Eric Kirk? You know, here I am with my podcast after giving up on radio. Have you thought about getting into swimming now? I mean, again, you know, chances are you're probably not going to be in the Olympics, but you could maybe train to swim and maybe you could somehow compete and at least get a little taste of what it would have been like to live that lifestyle. I mean, I can speak a little bit from football. In high school, I was a very good football player. I got recruited by all the big colleges in the country. You know, I'm talking Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, uh, Rutgers from New Jersey, um, you know, Florida, UCLA, Boston College. I got recruited everywhere. And when it finally narrowed down towards the end, I oh, I appreciate that, Snowpro. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it as long as it's fun, you know. But for me, you know, it, it finally started to narrow down. I got a couple offers from Division One schools. One was Memphis down in Tennessee. I went down and visited the Liberty Bowl and got to spend some time there, which was kind of cool. But I decided to stay at the University of Rhode Island. It was a smaller school, one double A. They just they wanted me to be, be a defensive tackle. That's where I played in high school and I was comfortable. Some of the Division One schools wanted me to change positions, which I probably should have done. But, and I also wasn't ready to move away from my family. My mother was sick and I was afraid to be too far away from her being that she was also involved in a very difficult relationship as I talked about earlier. So um, I went to URI and I played against guys who were, who played in, in the professional football and NFL. And I can say that I was very, very good in high school. College was a whole different level. College was, you know, I was average at best. Um, the guys that I played against were just as big, just as tough, just as strong, just as fast. And they were very, very good. The guys that ended up going on to the NFL that I played against were like men playing against little boys, even in college. They were that good. So honestly, I think in my experience, for me personally anyway, in college, is I don't think I was good enough to play after college that's pretty much where my career ended and that's where it should have ended so you know um as far as swimming you know you, you look at uh michael phelps and people like that i mean they're phenoms they're absolute phenoms and you know it, it's hard when you have something you would have liked to have done you never get a chance to do it but uh you know give it a go give it a go you know go out and give it a shot i don't know how old you are 
but find a place where you can start training and go for it you know and again even if it's not the olympics if you still go out and you get to compete you know good you get to fulfill your dream some way you know which is kind of cool so give it a go well, you know what can it hurt it's never too late exit that's kind of how i'm feeling that's why i'm doing this i'm enjoying it very much and uh no like i said i'm doing it for fun i'm not doing this for money i'm not doing it for any other reason other than just kind of enjoying myself lock t2 very good swimmer yep and actually i wish my wife was here right now she went to high school with a girl who made the olympics as a competitive swimmer out of new hampshire what the hell was her name i can't think of it but my, my wife knows her pretty well they were in high school together and my wife actually played water polo at boston university and it wasn't a competitive you know college team it was more of a club sport but uh you know she was a good little athlete and she played at bu on the water polo team and she she was saying that water polo is a tough tough sport she was saying that uh you know the girls literally will like you know hit you under the water and they try to rip your bathing suit off and everything like that and i never realized water polo was so violent but uh kind of interesting so hey thank you sonia and i appreciate you saying that my show is your favorite you know honestly you make that comment and that does really matter to me it means a lot to me and i greatly greatly appreciate that so thank you very much for saying that it's a very kind of you and i really look forward to seeing all the people that come into my show and you know and chat with me so that is fantastic hey listen i'm going to sign off everybody it's 552 let's see I, before i do that though i see eric commented again i'd give competitive swimming a try if being an olympic swimmer wasn't meant for me i've even dreamt of a career in tv and radio you know why not right i mean broadcast broadcasting is tough let me tell you a story before i get off okay broadcasting is tough there's no doubt about that but some someone has to do it right one of my best friends one of the guys I grew up with in New Hampshire, you can find him on the internet, you can listen to him on the radio. He went into broadcasting out of Syracuse, you know, obviously the Harvard of broadcasting schools. And he was broadcasting in Boston for, I don't even know, probably 10 years. And he kept getting fired. The, sh the, the stations kept going under. He kept losing jobs. So I remember he almost quit. And he came to talk to me one day and I was doing sales and I'd already given up on broadcasting. You know, it, it was what it was. I don't think I had the same passion he did to do it either, but he was going to quit and go into some other business, but he did have an opportunity to move to Dallas from Boston and take a job with this network. So I said, you know, let me ask you, is this your dream? If it is, you know, you should probably go after it. So he did end up going after it. I'm sure this was, you know, all him also it wasn't me giving him advice and <laughs> him making a decision because of me i mean he knew it was his dream but he, he and i just talked it out a little bit so he ended up going to dallas spent if i remember correctly maybe five six years in dallas and then got an opportunity to move to denver so if you look up now in denver kfan which is denver's biggest sports station look up mike evans he is the morning guy on kfan in denver and he's been there for probably a good 10 years now is the morning drive sports guy i believe he's making a pretty good salary and he's a very well-known public figure now in denver and uh so you know he stuck with it and uh, you know made a career out of it so you have to have thick skin so if you go in the media you're going to have to be persistent and you're going to have to be willing to move around and do the different things but you know if you want to do media why not start a podcast here? You know, start a podcast if you're not already doing one and start practicing, get some get some work in. I mean, at least here, you can record your shows. You have something to send out to people and maybe get into a broadcasting school or something like that. Like around here, we have a, a specific broadcasting school called Connecticut School of Broadcasting. 
and they have several different locations around the New England area. So you could probably find a place like that where you could train to be a broadcaster. But yeah, don't think because you're a certain age, you can't go after your dreams, you know? Go after those dreams, knock them out of the park. If you want to swim competitively, go do it. If you want to be in the media, go do it, you know? And uh, yeah, possibility of being discovered. I welcome your reading what I've wrote above. Uh, I think I already read that and talked about it. So anyway, that's why I want to do our podcast to add positivity. Yeah, same thing here, Sonia. I mean, I want to be positive, and if I can do some things to make people laugh, if I can do some things to give advice to people based on my life experience, if I can do things to hopefully improve people's lives, I'm here, you know, and I'm going to keep coming back. So hopefully you all come back. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm going to go chill on the couch and watch some Netflix. Not that we haven't already watched enough, but I'll probably be on sometime tomorrow. So look for my show, okay? Love you all, and uh, talk to you all very, very soon. Okay, thanks again for for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Bye, Sonia. Bye, everybody.